Hey, why don't you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 4, and we're going to read from John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. Promise me, as I try to get you to do every week, you'll go home and read every one of these verses on your own. Ask God to speak to you. It's so great that you come here and you listen to a preacher, and I'm so grateful for the access that we have to preachers, but we have always had access to the living word. And there's something special that happens when you go on your own and you hear from God. So please read these verses that I'm going to read to you today. It's, it's going to change your life as you encounter the word of God. Not just a church service, but the word of God on your own Monday through Saturday. Great life change coming for you. I believe it. 1 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 4 says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them, not some, but all, were guided by a cloud, which represented the presence of God, which was the presence of God. All of them were guided. I love the fact that we have great attendance. We had great attendance all day. But we're graduating from not just attending, but being guided by the God we came in worship. We can, we can attend church, but when everyone's being guided by the God that they're worshiping, wow. Man, you talk about a healthy community, and it says, all of them walk through the sea on dry ground. This is why we, I, I, church online is great. I love the fact that you can get a word online. But there's something about being gathered in a room of a lot of people who are walking through something. You walking through something right now, there's something that, that, that encourages the heart of a believer to know you're not the only one. You're not the only one who's walking through something. They all walked through something. They were being chased by the Egyptians and Pharaoh, and they all walked through something. They all walked through the sea on dry ground and in the cloud and in the sea. All of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, which was manna, and all of them drank the same spiritual water, which we'll be talking about. And it says, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Jumping over to John 7, verses 37 through 39, it, it says this, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me and drink. But then he takes it up a notch. I love the qualification of, of, that Jesus gives if you wanna come to him. All you got to be is thirsty. Anybody know any thirsty people? It says all you got to be is thirsty and you can come to Jesus. But he takes it up a notch when he says, but if you come to Jesus thirsty and you believe, now you can come to Jesus and drink. So he takes it up a notch and saying, hey, it's one thing to come to Jesus because you're thirsty, but it's another thing to come to Jesus when you're thirsty with some faith. Because when you come and you believe, now I can give you something to quench your thirst. And it's important that we come to Jesus when we're thirsty because there's something in the human soul of every individual that will go and quench their thirst somewhere else. If you don't let Jesus quench your thirst in his presence, you'll quench, quench your thirst in the bedroom. Come on now. You'll quench your thirst with greed and money and Things that the world will tell you will, 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 will take away your thirst. But no, Jesus says, you got to come to me and you got to believe. And watch this. He says, anyone who believes may come and drink for the scriptures declare. Rivers of living water will flow out of his heart. He says, when you're thirsty, 
He's going to activate something in you. You think you need to be given something. God's saying, no, I'm, I'm going to make something come out of you, rivers of living water. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into glory. He had not yet died and ascended to heaven. I want to preach a message called take the hit. Take the hit. People in this season, you got some stuff coming against you. You feel like you're under attack. And I want to encourage you that it's, it's really interesting because Jesus stands up at the middle of this festival. It was called the Festival of Harvest or the, the, the Feast of the Tabernacles, the Festival of Booths. It had all these different nicknames, but it was celebrating the harvest. And, and this harvest, they would celebrate other harvests in the spring, and the harvest they would celebrate in the spring was the harvest of grain. This particular harvest was the harvest of grapes and olives. That was primarily what they were celebrating. And obviously back in those times, grapes um, would be used, and they are now, but primarily grapes were used to make wine, and olives were used to make anointing oil. An interesting thing about both those things, they're celebrating the harvest, is in order to produce the wine, the grape has to be under pressure and crush. In order to produce the anointing oil, the olive has to be under pressure and, and crush. So some of the weight that you're feeling in this season is not the enemy. God is allowing a certain pressure to be on you so that it releases blessing. If you don't crush a grape, you'll never get wine. If you don't crush an olive oil, you'll never get anointing oil. You don't crush the olive. So maybe in this season, the pressure and the crushing that you're feeling, what is that worship song we sing? In the pressing, in the crushing, you are making new wine. And so they were celebrating this fact of the harvest. And what's really cool about this is every morning on this seven-day celebration, one of the priests would get up and they would do a drink offering. And one priest would pour out water and one priest would pour out wine. Now, obviously, if you were waiting for the grapes to be harvested, it wasn't grape season before. You were harvesting grapes. Grapes make wine. So at the moment they were pouring out the wine, we could assume, and I'm suggesting, that there wouldn't have been a lot of wine because they were just harvesting the grapes. So in certain seasons, if you want something to come to you, God will make you pour out what you feel you have a little of. God's asking someone to give of their time, and you don't know how you would fit it in your schedule. God's asking someone to give their finances, and you don't know how you're going to. God will ask you to pour out what you feel like you have little of. And the cool part about it is that it was a celebration. Uh, we have trouble celebrating. Every time I talk to someone who says they are a believer, they are so hard on themselves. And they are so hard on other people. Can I help you out this afternoon? You're doing better than you think. Stop being so hard on yourself. I talked to this girl last week, went to a college to speak, and she was in tears. I just, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I said, what's going on? I'm like, did you kill somebody? I wish I could tell you I'm lying. I said, did you kill somebody? Why are you being so hard on yourself? She said, I'm just not managing my time well. I said, what? I don't even know what time it is. I think I might be late for something right now. You gotta be, you gotta stop being so hard on yourself. Yeah, I think you could be better at time management, but 
why are you condemning yourself when God says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus? This is the generation that's so hard on themselves. Like you just, I don't get enough sleep. Just go to bed earlier. Don't be hard on yourself because I just, I just, some of you right now, like, I do what he's saying. I do what he's saying. I don't know why. You're being hard on yourself right now. And I'm trying to preach to you about not being hard on yourself and you're being hard on yourself that you don't listen to your pastor. We, we got to stop. You got to get a revelation. And I'm telling you, most believers can't get a revelation because they skip the celebration. You got to start celebrating these small wins in your life. Maybe God's not doing the big thing, but he's doing something. Why don't you just celebrate? Celebrate. These people were, you know, the Bible says heaven rejoices when a lost person is found. That means they start clapping when they find him and he's still on crack. You know when the church celebrates? When he gets off the crack. We put the testimony video on, on, on the platform and the, Jesus set me free from the crack. We don't ever put the testimony video and the brother's still scratching his neck like, you know what I'm saying? It's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, we don't put nobody on the cigarette all in the air, you know what I'm saying? It's a journey. Brother's on a journey. No, no, no. We can't handle it. But, but when you celebrate someone who beat their addiction, heaven proclaims you're late to the party. They've been clapping. They were clapping when the lost sheep was found. We clap when they were healed. They clap when they were found. We clap when they were set free. They clap when they were found. Maybe as believers, one of the biggest issues is we're always late to the party. We're always late to the party. Come on, I, I grew up in San Bernardino. You want somebody to show up at nine, the party starts at six. Because you want them to be late. What if your biggest issue in your life is late to, you know what God's doing in your life? It's amazing. It might not be what you want, but it wasn't what it used to be. And this, this Feast of Tabernacles, they were celebrating what God did thousands of years ago when Jesus was doing this in John chapter 7. And here's a crazy thing. They were living in a tent. Here's how they would celebrate. They were celebrating the time where God uh, used Moses to lead them in the wilderness, in the wilderness. And they all slept in tents and they camped around the presence of God and God provided for them and he cared about the people. So he fed them with manna and he gave them water from this rock that we read that rock was actually Jesus that they were carrying around it. It symbolized who Jesus was. And so they celebrated that by living in those tents and they spent one week living how they used to live so they could be grateful for how they live now. It would kind of be like if you went back to your old studio apartment that you had in college, now you got a house, and, and once a week, you just moved back into that old apartment with roaches so you could stop complaining about the place you live in now. It's like somebody has a spouse that they're complaining about. It'd be like if you spent one week with your ex, you would go back to your spouse like, Lord Jesus, thank you for Jimmy, thank you for Johnny, thank you for Cheryl, she's so amazing. You spend one week with that old trifling ex you got, you, you'd be so happy. God would make them spend a week on how it used to be so they could praise them for who, what it is. And I, I just feel like this celebration will help us get revelation. And they would celebrate what God did. And 
back in, in, in Exodus, in, in this, these books of the Bible, Exodus and Numbers, God would have them in the wilderness and Moses was their, their leader and he had them set up a tabernacle and the tabernacle was where people met with God and God would speak to them and not only that, but God would dwell among them and Moses had a tough job leading people. And, and I understand Moses' job a little bit more now that I'm in this role because Moses had to lead them out of Egypt, which represents sin. And when people are sinning and doing their own thing, people in that state don't listen. Then he led them in the wilderness where there's uncertainty. You're in between what you used to do and where God is taking you. And in the wilderness, people complain. And then the, the job was passed to Joshua to lead them to the promised land. And when people get the promise, they leave. Like, so how hard is it to lead? When people are in their sin, they don't listen. In the wilderness, they complain. In the promise, they leave. It's kind of hard being a leader. You might lead someone, and you're the reason why they got on their feet, and then they're, they're sending you an email that they're leaving, and you're never going to see them again. All the prayer, it's just what Moses was dealing with, and it was tough being a leader because he had the responsibility that God had given him for the people. And, and, and we, we pick up in a couple passages of Scripture where the people got thirsty, the people got thirsty and they, they got upset in the wilderness because they were thirsty. Exodus 17 verses 1 through 7 say this, at the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin. Not like sin, sin, like forgiveness of sin. It was just literally a place called sin. And they moved from place to place and eventually they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses, give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet! Moses replied, if I talk to somebody like that, you just be the church down the street. I'm telling you, when I get old, I'm going to start talking to people like that. Like, Pastor Philip is so nice, but as, I'm telling you, you're going to want Pastor Philip back when I turn 65. 64. I'm going to be like, God has a plan for your life. God loves you. 65. Quiet! 65. Turn into an angry old black man at 65. I'll be here on my birthday. Watch. Let me give it to you straight. Stop babysitting and start yelling at people. Quiet! Why are you complaining against me? Stop sending me so many emails. I was just joking. Can't you take a joke? Why are you testing the Lord? I want to do that anytime you disagree with me. Why are you testing the Lord? <laughs> but it says this, but tormented by thirst. It, it is really hard to lead people tormented by thirst. It says they were tormented by thirst, so they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? The commissioning service was over, and now he's got the people, and he's like, what should I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and the water will come gushing out. We read in 1 Corinthians 10, what was that rock? Who was that rock? Strike the rock, and, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. 
I'm telling you right now, one of the things Christine and I have, have really been praying about is when Moses struck the rock, that was his ministry. But when he was striking the rock, he had elders looking after him. I want to tell you, we got people in our lives. We are accountable to people. We're never going to strike the rock or do anything in ministry. We don't have people saying, yo, we're, we're with you. We're praying for you. Hey, maybe not that. You got to have people in your life that are watching you as you do something. And maybe that's just for the 1 p.m., but I felt led to say that. And so Moses named the place Masa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Moses struck the rock. Who, who told Moses to strike the rock? God told Moses to strike the rock. And water came out of the rock that we read in 1 Corinthians 10, this rock that was Christ. Jump over to Numbers 20, verses 1 through 13. We have another issue with thirst. It says, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now, once again, there was no water for the community. I don't want to be a dry church. It, it, we talk about family, we talk about community, but I don't want to be a dry community. I don't want to say we're family and we show up here just lips all chapped, ashy, Carmex in the car spiritually, build up all in the corners. You ever met somebody like that? Just like, do like this, bro. Like, do like this. <laughs> Just all nasty and struggling. No, I don't want a dry community. It's too hard to lead a dry community. Dry communities turn against their leadership. I can tell you, I, I can't preach you into, I can't preach you out of your dryness if you don't do stuff on your own. Matter of fact, how do you know that I'm not dry? I need somebody coming up in here with their own living water. Matter of fact, instead of you coming here all parts and dry, depending on your preacher and your pastor, why don't you just come through dripping? You've been in the presence of God already, so you come through dripping. Pastor Julian might need some moisturization, if you know what I'm saying. Why don't you come through? I got my own fire. I got my own water. I got my own faith. I got my own... What if we just came in here with our own? And your water mixed with my water and there'd be rivers flowing out of this building to this city. But you wouldn't come here every Sunday bone dry looking for a drink. You came in here with the Spirit of God flowing through you. We can't have a dry community because it says... There was no water, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. This is what happens in dry communities. People start fighting amongst each other. The Spirit brings unity. Dryness brings division. In any season, our church has been divided. There has been dryness. And here's the interesting thing. you got to be careful being dry, because the Bible says when an unclean spirit, a spirit of fear, spirit of anxiety— leaves a person. It goes in search for dry places. So if you're dry, you become a mattress for a demon. You got to have rivers of living water flowing out of you. Because here's the thing, Jesus in the Bible, 
And I love this verse, cast out a legion of demons out of a person. And, and they, the demons begged Jesus to go into the pigs. Demons go into the pigs. What do the pigs instinctively do? They headed for the water because I believe it's possible that the pigs knew demons can't swim. Whenever there's rivers of living water flowing out of a be believer, it drowns certain things. Certain things can't keep up with the rivers the Spirit wants to release in your life. What happened to Pharaoh and the Egyptians? When Pharaoh and the Egyptians tried to go through the water, they, they drowned. Some of your enemies can't be prayed out. They got to drown. And the rivers of the living water that are flowing out of you. It says they, they, were, they were fighting. And everybody was, there was no unity. And, and the people said, why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? They already said this. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grains, no figs, no grapevines, no pomegranates. They just, <laughs> can you imagine? You, you are camping around the glory of the Lord. Think about what dry people do. They're camping around the glory of God. And they said, we ain't got no pomegranates. <laughs> what? There's no fakes, there's no grapevines, there's no pomegranates. Some of you guys are in the greatest move of God maybe this city has ever seen, and you're like, there's no pomegranates though. There's no, there's no pomegranates. Come on, am I convicted? Is the Lord convicting somebody? There's no pomegranates though. Prayed for my husband for 20 years. I'm married, got kids. There's no pomegranates though. Finally did get the house and thing I've been praying for, but there's no pomegranates. Finally found a great church, but there's no pomegranates here. Where's the pomegranates, Pastor Julian? It sounds crazy. And it sounds like me. It sounds crazy, but does that sound like you? Look at them, no, no, no pomegranates. And then they brought up the real problem. And there's no water, by the way. So even if we had some pomegranates, we would choke on the seeds because we ain't got nothing to wash it down with. Like, what are these people talking about? It says, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting, fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff, you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock. What did he say before? He said to strike the rock. This time he told Moses to speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. Who was the rock? Moses was supposed to speak to the rock. What did God tell him before? He told him to strike the rock. And this time God said, speak to the rock, and you'll bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in, in front of the rock, and, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring, I can't wait till I'm 65. Oh, disobedient rebels. Must we bring water out of this, for you out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff, and, and, and water gushed out. What did God tell Moses to do? He said to speak to the rock, and what did Moses do? He struck the rock, and water gushed out. Sometimes God will use a disobedient leader because he loves the people. 
But what I find scary about that is just because it's working doesn't mean it's the will. Ooh, that's a scary verse. You mean to tell me, God, you told me to speak to the rock and I struck the rock and I got the same result? Some of you are striking what God is telling you to speak to because you're getting the same result and you think it doesn't matter. I want to tell you it does. If God said speak, you got to speak. If God says strike, you got to strike. But the whole thing that, that, that really, really, really shakes me to my core is that water came out of the rock, whether Moses spoke to it or disobeyed and struck it because God cared that much about people. But Moses missed out on what God had for him. So sometimes God will use you because he loves the people. Don't you think you're in the will because God's using you? Don't think you're in the will just because you can preach. Don't think you're in the will just because you're, 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 you're having some employees and God's blessing your business. Maybe God's trying to bless your business because of, because of the employees that work for you, but maybe God's asking you, will you obey me? Will you stop striking what I ask you to speak to? But yet here is the rock, and who is the rock? Jesus. Here's the interesting thing about this passage of Scripture is that in 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible says that that rock is Christ. In John chapter 7, the Bible says that rivers of living water will come out of us. In Numbers 20, the rock released the water. So, so in John chapter 7, I want you to catch this. When we planned this transition months ago, we did not know that October 13th, in, in, the, in the Hebrew calendar translated to our American calendar, that October 13th was the beginning of this Feast of the Tabernacles. So when you all celebrated Christine and I being commissioned as new lead pastors, you were doing that on the very day that the Feast of Tabernacles began. And this message that Jesus said on John in John chapter 7, do you know what day that took place in the Hebrew calendar? Today. On the last day of the festival, Jesus said that rivers of living water would flow out of us that believe. In 1 Corinthians 10, he said, the rock that was Christ released the water. So the question I have for you and I today is where is the rock now? Where is it? This rock, who is the rock? Where is it? In you. Now, I, I want to tell you that if Jesus said rivers of living water will flow out of you, and, and that represents the rock that was in the wilderness, and now Jesus, the rock, is in you. When Moses spoke to the rock, water came out, but when Moses struck the rock, water also came out. What if that thing you're going through in this season is releasing the rivers of the living water? What if God is saying, I need to know, is there any believers that can take the hit? Because it's the hit that might bring the healing. What does the Bible say? By his stripes, we are healed. 
Jesus took the hit so you could receive a healing. And somebody's taking a hit in this season that's going to produce a healing for someone else in the next season. I want to know, is there anybody at the 1 p.m. that can take the hit? Sometimes God doesn't heal you from your hits because it is the hit. What did Moses do to the rock? He struck the rock. What happened? Water came out. So God is telling you and I, if you take the hit, it will release rivers of living water out of you. You know, I get, my wife and I, we get commissioned and prayed for as lead pastors and, and you step out to do what God's called you to do. And all of a sudden, right, they pray for me, people are crying and you wake up on Monday morning trying to do what God has called you to do and next thing you know your past shows up. And you're trying to lead a church, you're trying to honor this incredible legacy and next thing you know your past shows up. And you're tempted to stop doing what God has called you to do because you got to deal with your past. You're not good enough. You did too much. You sinned too much. And right when you think that you got your past under control, next thing you know, something else shows up. Betrayal shows up. And out of nowhere, somebody turns their back on you. And right when you thought you had your past under control, now betrayal shows up. Next thing you know, you can hardly take it. And you're on your knees praying to God. And right when you figure that out, something else shows up up anxiety shows up and next thing you know you're overwhelmed and you're taking so many hits and you're praying and you're believing then out of nowhere rejection shows up and next thing you know you feel like you're surrounded but little did the enemy know that when you take the hit it'll release rivers of living water every hit you take is water the discouragement is water the fear is is water the pain is is water the doubt is water the depression is water I'm telling you right now God is releasing water if somebody in this place would just take the hit does anybody believe it at the 1 p.m. you got to take the hit the hit releases the water it's not you it's not you it's not what's wrong with you. This is just the season. You gotta take the hit because whenever you take the hit, it releases the water. And sometimes you'll be praying, you're praying to get out of it. You'll be thanking God for your enemy. You'll be thanking God for the hit because it was the hit that released the rivers of living water out of you. Watch this, in, in, in Isaiah, in Isaiah, listen to this, I want you to, Stand to your feet, but in Isaiah 54, verses, verse 17, it says, no weapon, no weapon formed against you will prosper. It doesn't say that the weapon won't be formed. It says that God will render the weapon ineffective. It doesn't say that you won't get hit. It says that you will take the hit and the hits will release more water, more water, more water, more water, more water. And it says every tongue that accuses you in, in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. 
that the hits of the enemy will be rendered ineffective. No one made you angry. You had anger and their hit released it. No one can make you do anything or be anything you don't want to do. You got to have rivers of living water. So when betrayal shows up and anxiety shows up and your past shows up, it releases the spirit of God into the atmosphere. It says no weapon, no weapon, no weapon formed against you. Do you hear what I'm saying? No weapon, no weapon, no weapon against your family, no weapon against your children, no weapon against this church, no weapon against this city, no weapon against your calling, no weapon against your body. Did you hear what I said? I said no weapon. No weapon against your, your purpose. No weapon against Oasis. No weapon against the front row. No weapon against the balcony. No weapon against the back row. Did you hear what I said? I said no weapon. Somebody shout no weapon. See, right now you gotta understand something. When you realize that no weapon formed against you will prosper, they're helping you out. You'll be thanking God for the hits in five years because the hits help you. Right over here, the hit is helping you. Right back here, the hit is helping you. Right in the middle, the hit is helping you. Right over here, the hit is helping you. Right over there, the hit is helping you. No weapon, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon.